Will the government have to continue spending millions of dollars to woo foreign investors to establish businesses in Ghana to employ our graduates? Can we find a way to grow our own sustainable local young entrepreneurs? Tonight, we deliberate on whether or not entrepreneurship can provide a greater promise for lowering the levels of unemployment in the country. The show is Candid Voice, and as always, we say it as it is. I am Caleb Ahinakwa, sitting in for your regular host, Benjamin Ofei Ado. Welcome back. Joining me on tonight's episode, we have uh, Joseph Osei Opombrinya. And uh, when we abbreviate the name, it sounds like Job, yeah. J-O-B. Well, he is Director of Communication for the National Entrepreneurship and Innovation Program, NEIP. Uh, he's here in studios. And we have Leslie Owusu, a chartered uh, Osebonsu, thanks for that correction. Uh, Leslie Osebonsu, a chartered accountant and uh, agri-business entrepreneur. He's also in studios with me. Uh, gentlemen, good to have you this evening. I trust you're all doing great. Mm. Uh, now, before we explore the thematic areas for tonight's conversation, I'm curious. And uh, before you landed in the various job roles you find yourself in, uh, did you also partake in the extreme sport of job hunting? Let me start with you, uh, Joseph. Oh, yeah. I, I started in the north. That's the upper east region. But for myself, I don't actually apply for jobs. I come in, identify the problems at your workplace, and tell you, this is what I can do for you. Give me the chance to do it. Many places I've gone to, there are places where they will give you the chance to do that. Places they will think you're mad. They will ask you to leave. Because they know what they are doing, and you are telling them that you are doing this thing, and you want to do it right. So normally, when I go in, I tell you this is what I want to do for you. They give me the chance to do it. When things go right, it's okay. Mm. You so you here. had a different approach to um, applying for these opportunities. We shouldn't wait and just apply for any employment any, anywhere. Just observe the company or the, uh, the organization you want to go in. Identify something you can do for the company. And go and tell mm. the manager. So your method of application was finding the problem and proposing a solution. That and how, how did that end up? Did you receive contracts? How did that go for oh you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, uh, I started, as I said, Bogatanga. Uh, one was Star FM. Mm. Yes, that's what I did. And, you know, they allowed me, Ultimate FM in Kumase. I told them, I, I didn't even have a vehicle. I told them I have a vehicle to go to villages to do reporting for them. Mm. Because that was what they were lacking. We were reporting. And they said, okay, we should give it a try. So I started and, you know. Mm. It worked for me. And um, fast forward to where you are now. How did you get here into your role as Director of Communications for the NEIP? Oh, actually, uh, when we took over power in 2017, uh, we went through the chief of staff. There were a lot of uh, people who were, you mm. know. So your past work spoke for you to yes. an extent? Yes. Mm. At, at, at a time, you know, you need to do extra. You need to convince them that, yes, this is what you can do for them to, you know, engage you. So I think my past records and, you know, my CV and other things worked for me. Mm. Interesting. Uh, let me come to you, Leslie. Did you also go through where you file in an application? The secretary will tell you that you hear from us. You know, you send an email. Sorry, you know, we, we have other people who um, best fit this job. Did you also go through that? Yeah. So even before National Service, we were trying to apply. You know, sometimes you have your target company you want to work with. So we were trying to apply before National Service actually began. 
So we tried a few companies. We didn't get feedback. But finally, we were able to get national service. And through national service, you know, once you finish with national service, you know you need a job. So whilst we were doing, doing national service, we were trying to get somewhere we could get um, actual employment. So it's true. The people we work with at um, my national service, mm-hmm. where I did my national service. So for you, lobbying to get jobs. Yes. Mm. So that's what. Um, aside that, um, sending applications through emails, LinkedIn, and all those mm-hmm. ones. Once you see, we, we apply for them. But most of the time, you don't even get feedback. Uh, what, what, were you, what was the X factor? Will you count yourself lucky? Because a lot of people also use the same approach, but it doesn't go on so well for them. Yes, but um, it also depends on what you have on your plate or your CV. If your CV is good enough and you are recommended to someone, I think it's more likely that you get a chance to be interviewed and then you likely to qualify for the job hmm. or something of the sort. Interesting. Uh, now, let me pick your thoughts on the finance minister statement. You know, a lot of outlets are reporting with the headline, government payroll is full. And I just read it into context for us to better grasp what he was hinting at. You know, in as much as he tried to explain uh, um, into context what he meant by the payroll is full. And that, um, in summary, the approach to which the employed was not sustainable. And um, reality on the ground is indeed, the, the, the payroll is actually full. But let me pick your general thoughts on the, the statement. Uh, let me begin with, let me come back to you, Joseph. Yeah, I think we misunderstood the finance minister. Actually, he was trying to encourage us to go into entrepreneurship. And, uh, and he's right. The payroll, the government sector is choked. We all know it. It's, it's, it's a bitter truth. We all know it. We need to accept it. Yes. And this is the time we need to encourage our youth to go into entrepreneurship. People, when he said that, uh, I reacted it on some media uh, stations. And uh, on Facebook, somebody said, have you given us money to go into entrepreneurship? No. When you want to be an entrepreneur, you don't need money first. You need the right uh, mindset, the right training before you think about money. You see? So uh, like NEIP, we started the Students Entrepreneurship Initiative where we've taken entrepreneurship to basic schools and tertiary institutions. We train them to, to inculcate the, uh, the idea of entrepreneurship in them before they finish school. So you see, uh, we need to start somewhere. And that is the truth. The government sector is choked. So we need to encourage people to do their own work and employ others. Not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Certainly. So the few who can be entrepreneurs should go into it and employ those who cannot be, who will be searching for jobs out there? Well, we'll, we'll delve deeper into uh, this framework you're trying to uh, visually describe to us. Now, Leslie, let me pick your general thoughts on his statement to come and counter his argument. Um, not really to counter his argument, but you know, um, growing up, we are used to the idea of wanting to work in the government sector because we know it comes with that kind of job security mm-hmm. such that um, when you are there for a long period of time, like you feel comfortable working, you know you can leave, go and work, or probably go and do a top-up course and then come back. Like, that kind of job security is there. So, whilst you are growing up and you are doing all the courses you are doing, your focus is to get a job that is kind of secure. So, there are private sector jobs available that people wouldn't want to apply to, or even if they apply to, once there is an opportunity in the government sector, they would easily switch those rules. So, that's, that's one aspect people are looking at. Aside that, most of the training we are doing or we are going through for instance, if you're doing a nursing course, um, the goal is to get a government work to do. If you're doing a nursing course or any of those other courses, you'd want to work in the government sector and not a private sector. One, because of the job security. But now that um, there's a statement that the government payroll is full, 
Um, it makes you want to think because being an entrepreneur isn't for in everyone, as he said, and it comes with a lot of challenges. Um, you can have the idea. There are people with a lot of brilliant ideas, but executing the idea is also a challenge. And then also getting funding to start a business isn't something that's very easy to come by. So those are one or two things that make it very difficult for people to enter into um, entrepreneurship or start businesses that they could end up employing people to work with them. Because it takes a, quite a long time before you'll be able to build a sustainable business that you think of maybe employing five to ten people. Mm. So it takes it takes time and it's mm. quite challenging. So if you, had, if you had the opportunity, would you land yourself in the private sector or the public sector looking at the advantages you just expounded? So it depends actually on um, your goals and then what aligns with your plans. So if the private sector will help your goals or whatever you want to achieve, then you, you go for it. You always have to weigh whatever options you have. If it's a private sector, that your qualifications and then your aspirations fit perfectly, just stick to it. If it's the government sector and you happen to get the opportunity, or let's say not, it's no longer an opportunity, but a privilege to mm. work there, then yeah. probably. I keep hearing opportunity, making it look like it's difficult to get in there. You need um, a lot of factors to put together before you find your way in there. Well, interesting observation. Uh, now, let me read some reactions I gathered from social media following the um, revelation. Well, not to an extent, because I think in June 2000, um, June just this year, the finance minister made this exact statement, but he didn't mention that the government period was full. He rather urged the youth to get themselves onto, you know, self-employment, entrepreneurship, ventures. But um, on social media, the latest, uh, following the statement that the period was full, uh, this one reads, a user here says, quotes, uh, seeing Marshall and co play, Marshall the footballer, I wished I was a footballer umpire. But I couldn't be one. And uh, it's in Pigeon and reads here that Poppy and Mommy said I should go to school and um, not rely on football. Now, after NSS, Tufuria Tatu says, government payroll is full. What will I do after NSS? God have mercy on the African child. Unquote. Another user here reads, and I quote, At this point, as a parent, will you still pay school fees or buy tertiary forms for your ward? Unquote. Another user here reads that government payroll is full. Venture into entrepreneurship. High utilities, high fuel prices, high cost of living, high taxes, now tell me, how can a graduate venture into entrepreneurship and sustain his or her business? Unquote. And finally, government payroll is full because Kofi Papa takes the salary of 100 people and he hasn't improved the company he's heading in the 20 years he's been there to enable their capacity to employ more Guineans. Every year, his salary increases and he takes certain allowances too. Unquote. So this is just um, a section of a lot of comments on social media when the revelation was made. Uh, do you agree with this comment, far-fetched or they capture the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them, um, Joseph? Uh, my brother, our system, since uh, the days of Nkrumah, is set up to make you fail. Our system is set up to make you fail. And for you to succeed, it depends on you yourself what you want to do, how you want to do it. And we shouldn't look at, like, everybody who wants to go to school and come out to work at the government sector. Oh, that's the problem we have now. Everyone wants to work at the government sector. And uh, we are producing a lot of graduates every year. So just imagine, even if government should have a, a, a provide huge number of jobs out there 
not everybody can get some uh, uh, job job to uh, do because we are producing huge number of graduates who are coming out every year. And looking at the number of graduates coming out every year, uh, our population is also growing. So that is where we need to encourage our people that yes, government is doing whatever he can to ensure that people get work to do. But the numbers are huge. What will you do for you yourself that uh, after school? Uh, what will you do after school? Are you going into you know entrepreneurship? Are you going into business? Are you going into government sector, private sector? You should know what you want to do. Then you train yourself to that direction. But we don't just finish school and come out. We are looking for jobs. When whilst we were in school, what were you doing? What plan did you take whilst we were in school? So to me, uh, they are right because the system itself is designed for you to fail. It just recently that things are being done to somehow encourage people to go into entrepreneurship. If not, for some time now, would have had it very difficult as a country. Mm, when, when you say the system is, is set up for you to fail, can you put it into better context? Okay, let me tell you, 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 you set up a business and the taxes you are paying to GRA and other, whatever, as you said, as a young entrepreneur, if you have maybe 10,000 Ghana cities to work and all these bills, you have to pay them every month. Can you sustain your job? You can't. You can't sustain whatever you want to, you want to do. That's why we, when we came to power, I'm talking about we as uh, this government, uh, we designed programs just to help you succeed as an, as an entrepreneur. Very soon we'll go deep into that. So if you understand the system very well, you look at you look at avenues where you can go to for support, especially when you want to when you want to be an entrepreneur. Because people normally think that somebody should give you money for you to do this or you should get money from somewhere to do this. We don't actually train ourselves well that when I'm even giving the money, how am I going to use the money? Mm. So they are right, but you need to conscientize yourself and know what you want to do for yourself before you, you leave school. Mm. You know, many others will argue that there are a chunk of names on this uh, payroll database that have retired, but their names, you know, uh, haven't been cleared of that system. What's, what are your thoughts as regards this? There are people who are over 60 years who have been given another contract to work. So how would they... But that is part-time. Yes, but they are engaged. 60 years, you have to retire and be in the house looking at your grandchildren, but... The uh, government offices where people have been given contracts to work even after 60 years. So that's how the system is designed. It's another design that mm. is making the youth, uh, you know, because in some places too, you go after school, they tell you they need five years experience. Where do you get the five years experience from? So you see, the system is set in a way if you are a, if, if you're a young person after school and you are not very smart, you fail. Mm. Uh, well, well, I'll come back to you and ask where we can start from. You know, you keep talking about a system, and I believe it starts somewhere. The root cause is somewhere, and we need to start and uh, get rid of that um, de developing problem, you know, before we, 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 we f fully flesh out uh, into uh, going fully into entrepreneurship. Now, uh, back to you, uh, Leslie. Uh, do you agree with these comments from the, the social media users who also happen to be uh, young people like yourself, myself, and um, Joseph as well? Yes, so um, the, most of the comments actually make sense because if you look at the number of people who are um, employed in the government sector, also when you consider the number of graduates being produced every year, you realize that um, there is a mismatch between the number of available jobs. 
if you are just not even looking at the government sector and you are looking at the private sector jobs and then government sector jobs available and comparing the number of graduates who qualify each year, you realize that there is a huge mismatch mm -hmm. between the number of jobs available and the number of graduates being produced. And you realize that um, almost every year or maybe within a few years, a school pops up. So gone are the days where we had maybe just University of Ghana, um, KNUST and a few others producing the graduates. Right now, there are a lot of private um, institutions or private universities coming up and producing graduates of the same level of quality. But the jobs aren't increasing because it's the same school. If um, I have accounting background, I did BSc accounting, someone else from another private school that just came, about, came up in like three years also has the accounting. So what differentiates me from the other person? There are about 10,000 people looking for the same job, mm. irrespective of whether it's the private sector or the government sector. So it's about the available um, job slots and then the number of people looking for mm. the job. So, so that's so, where the issue mm. is actually coming from. So clearly you are saying that the country hasn't explored every practical approach to you know tackle, tackle the unemployment menace. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Because, um, for instance, the One District, One Factory that has been introduced is a way for private sector participation in job creation. Because if there are more companies that are coming up, that means there will be more people who will be needed to work. But if those companies aren't coming up, government isn't providing the support for those companies to come up, that means it reduces the number of slots available. So if um, some of these initiatives are being developed more and then the agenda is being pushed to be able to enable people who have, let's say, the capital to start there are people who have capital and then they can set up a business today and could be able to employ like 50 or 100 people. And then there are other entrepreneurs who will just do maybe two or three people. So if those people can be supported enough to be able to establish, maybe every year he's creating 50 or 100 slots for people to enter into. Nobody's going to be complaining about government payroll being full because he knows if even if I start at the um, private sector in like five, 10 years, I can move. Somebody else can come there. And then we are all sorted out. So it's mm. our the support systems available to help with those. Right. Uh, now we are delving deeper. It's, it's getting interesting. And um, I'm, I'm glad we are beginning the conversation this way. And uh, talking about practical approaches, successive governments, you know, have taken different policy initiatives over the past half century, you know, to address the youth unemployment challenges. This is not the first government that has come up with um, a lot of plans and initiatives to kick kickstart um, a lot of these um, 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 ventures, you know, to ensure that the youth are not um, caught idle. Now, nevertheless, okay, a recent World Bank uh, survey report estimated that nearly 65% of Ghanaian youth remain unemployed regardless of these challenges that are being, you know, ruled out to ensure that they are doing something. Now, back at you, Joseph. Does the government today have the most appropriate policy framework to encourage the youth entrepreneurship? And does your agency, which is NEIP, um, which is assigned with the task of supporting young business people, targeting the right people? Because like you said, not everyone is supposed to enter self-employment, to be self-employed. Not everyone, you know, can be an entrepreneur. Are you targeting the right people? Is there a framework available to you that you use to target the right people who want to venture into a business of their own? Oh, yeah. At NEIP, you know, let me give you a background of NEIP. When uh, the president took over in 2017, uh, he introduced the National Entrepreneurship Innovations Program just to uh, support businesses to grow and new ones to emerge and also to develop the ecosystem. Uh, we, our programs are designed in a way uh, that support anyone who is ready 
to go into entrepreneurship or to do or his or her own business. Uh, we have the Presidential Business Support Program where we advertise for people to apply. When you apply, we'll take you through training by business incubation hubs across the 16 regions of this country. And these people will train you. After training, they will recommend if you apply, you are qualified for training. It doesn't matter the number of people that were, even if there are millions of people who apply across the country, they are qualified for training. So you go through the training at the business incubation hubs across the 16 regions. And these are private business incubation hubs across the country. They will do the training and recommend that these businesses are good and they are um, marketable for you to you know, fund them. They give us their list, then we fund them. We give them an amount ranging from 10,000 to 100,000 Ghana cities. So when we took over in 2017, I think we've been able to support over 45,000 Ghanaians with funding and train over 50,000 of them because we open the application online and people apply. When they apply, we give them to the hubs for them to train them. Mm. And after the training, they select people for us to fund them. We have a number of programs that uh, uh, will help people or entrepreneurs to stand on their feet. We have tax exemptions for people, uh, young people who are doing their own business from the age of 18 to 35 years old. If you start your own business, uh, government will give you tax holiday. You apply through NEIP. Government will give you tax holiday for five years for you to stand on your feet before you start uh, paying tax. And also, we have a program whereby, as a graduate, when you apply the national um, service scheme, you, you do through NEIP, and you do your national service in your own company. Instead of doing the national service at maybe Bank of Ghana, Stambik, or anywhere, you do it in your own company. So you, you can imagine, the one year you spend at a different company, you can use that to grow your own company. So these are programs. You know, we, we, they are pragmatic efforts to somehow help people to have the, the, I mean, to go into entrepreneurship and also to support them to stand and grow. Mm. And another program that we have is the presidential pitch where people who have business idea before the president, they will pitch their business to the president. Some of them will be selected and they will be funded from 10,000 to 100,000 Ghana cities. And these people, anytime, anytime we have the program, the president even add his own one-month salary to them. Every year that we have this program, the president will donate his uh, uh, one-month salary to the winners. And this is to encourage them and encourage other people that will want to go into. And before, before 2017, were you hearing about entrepreneurship, business incubation happening? No, because government wasn't doing enough to somehow promote and also support entrepreneurs in this country. So in, from 2017, this government, everything we've, be, we've been doing at NEIP is geared towards you know, promoting and supporting people to stand on their feet instead of people always walking around with application letter looking for jobs, which does not exist now. Mm. So we have another program known as the uh, Students, I mentioned Students Entrepreneurship Initiative, where whilst you are in school, you go through entrepreneurship course you learn how to write business plan, how to think through business ideas. Whilst you are in uh, senior high school, when you get to the tertiary institution too, we have uh, such a program there. It's not compulsory. You can choose to be part or not to be part of it. Where you can also, take, you'll be taken through entrepreneurship 
Then before you finish school, you have the idea how to set your own business up. And this is another program that we want to introduce so that we can uh, somehow reduce the unemployment situation we have in this country. Mm. Because if they have the idea as to how to set up their own business, when they come out of school, they won't go around looking for jobs. They will set up businesses and employ those who don't have the idea or who want to go into entrepreneurship but want to work for some people. Mm. So when they get the chance to set their own businesses up, that's where they have the opportunity to, up, uh, to employ other people mm. who are also not into, uh, into entrepreneurship. Mm. So government has designed programs at NEIP. Take you from the, uh, uh, we'll take you from the uh, senior high school to the tertiary. Before you finish school, you know what you, you want to do. There's presidential pitch. You can go and pitch your, press, uh, your idea to the president. You'll be given funding for you to do your own job. Uh, there's the presidential business support program I mentioned earlier on. So that program too is there. You can apply online. And uh, when you apply, you take you through training. Then you can also get funding to start your own business. When you start the business, there's tax exemption for you. For five years, you're not going to pay tax. It means that that money, that money you use to pay tax, you can reinvest it in your business. So, And we have a lot of programs that is designed in a way that will take you from the beginning to the end. So there's a lot of effort that is well, being yeah. a lot of effort mm. that is being Th- that's done. That's a beautiful picture you've just um, given to us. We are visualizing it, and uh, it's it's a great concept. But it's we feel it's not being materialized enough when you go on the ground. Uh, we'll come in studios. I I would love to give um, a perfect example. You know, two groups of people now: the one who has the idea to create a job and the one who does so out of necessity, not because he wants to create a job, but because, you know, he's hungry. He needs money to fend for himself and others. So how do you target which one is genuine, which one is not? Or you give to all of them. Which offer um, do you give to each of these groups that come to you for some assistance? So we have to take a break. When I come back in studios, we'll try to make it as relatable as possible. They are very beautiful concepts you mentioned, the presidential pitch, the student entrepreneurship initiative, and even national service persons who want to, um, you know, get into their own jobs and run their jobs whilst also um, go having their national service, you know, simultaneously. These are very wonderful initiatives. A lot of people don't know about that. I have a lot of questions with sensitization, which people are enjoying these benefits. You mentioned 45,000 people. Well, we also look at the stats as well. The show is Candid Voice. And um, as we've already begun, we are saying it as it is. Uh, we have Joseph in studios from NEIP, and we have Leslie, uh, who is um, a, a chartered accountant and um, an agri-business entrepreneur. My name is Caleb Ahinako. Once again, I'm sitting in for Benjamin Ofei Ado. Uh, the conversation, as always, um, is on entrepreneurship, its challenges, and the role of the government. Let's take a break. We'll be back uh, to continue the show. I nearly gave up on driving out of frustration. What hadn't I done? Purging, replacing electrical parts, changing my fuel pump, and still, the engine noise in my car won't stop. Then I met this guy who said I should try Goyle Fuel. Uh, uh, by the way, my name is Thomas, but I did try Goyle Super XP Run 95. Then, <laughs> Goyle <laughs> stocks only higher grade fuels, feather enriched with XP3, multifunctional enhancer, more efficient, eco friendly, and at no extra cost. Available at every Goyle station. Ajibebia. <laughs> now my car is renewed. Yankonkwa. Goyle Super XP Run 95 and Diesel XP. Higher grade fuels. Excellent for modern engine. 
engines and all vehicles. Goil, good energy. Yeah, yeah, dear. Wash your hands, sanitize, mask up, and keep your social distance. Abba, be safe, oh. So all of us go feel be safe from Corona. A public service announcement from Asasi Radio. Uh, back in studios and uh, time check in studios. It's 8.33 p.m. And uh, my name is Caleb. The show is Candid Voice. And uh, we are talking graduate entrepreneurship challenges and the role of the government. Uh, well, John Joseph from NEIP was giving us a beautiful concept, uh, telling us the various initiatives that are on board the uh, framework of NEIP when it comes to giving up opportunities for people to venture into um, entrepreneurship. Now, like I said, I want to make it as relatable as possible, okay? So to start with, okay, many people in Ghana, especially the youth, as it's showing presently, uh, do establish businesses, not by choice, but like I said earlier, necessity. Um, as such, most of them may not have these entrepreneurial traits or skills uh, suggested in theory, you know, to become successful entrepreneurs. They usually start their businesses with low initial capital. Their chances of succeeding are actually limited as a result. Now, even if they make some money, many of them may be unable to grow their businesses due to competing demand on the little profit they make. Now, going back to the fact that they don't have the skills to run these businesses, illness, school fees, other expenses, family wahala, you know, they come into the picture. Examples of these non-business costs that eat into their working capital. Now, as the working capital gets exhausted, they fold up. A lot of young people begin businesses and it hurts. I know people that go into drink packaging and it stops for a while. The beautiful marketing, the designs that were circulating are halted. Where is this business person? There are, however, some individuals, on the other hand, who decide to establish businesses because they have identified viable opportunities and are determined to make sacrifices necessary to grow their businesses. There are now two groups of people. How do you identify individuals in each of these groups and what offer do you present to them? The one who has creative ideas and is bent on starting his business and the other who does so out of necessity without the requisite skills to sustain it. At our place, we don't look at you having the idea alone. Having the idea and having the right set of mind is what we look at. As I said earlier, we take you through training at the business incubation hubs and accelerators across the country. These people are experts, and they can identify people with skills and people with the right mindset to do business. So we don't just give out funding to people. When you go through the training, uh, you'll be taken through a whole lot of, you know, how to restructure your business. Well, well sorry, before you continue, you're still on the training, there's no background search on the person. You just, you know, send the person through training. Yeah, I, I want no, to understand there's that. There's no background okay. search on the person. Okay. You just go through the training. And I think it's at the training. That's where we identify these people, who those who really need the, 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 the funding and those who have the idea. But even if you give them the money, they can't execute it. So when you give them that opportunity, although they have the idea, but if you give them the opportunity, they might fail. That's why we take them through training and give, conscientize them, have the right mindset to set up a business. Myself, I started a transportation business. It collapsed. 
and I have to sell some of the cars. Yes, I understand the situation on this gun. But at the moment, at the time I started the business, I didn't even understand the transportation business. I just had the money or uh, somebody gave me some funds. I said, let me go into it. Mm. You see? So if you get the right training, the right mindset, you are good to go. Sometimes, me, when I'm talking about entrepreneurship and business, I don't want to talk about uh, funding first. I want to talk about the training and the right mindset first. Because you can give 1,000 CDs to someone, the person will work the next month, you have some maybe 15,500 uh, CDs. You give 1,000 to somebody, the next month, the person will work and <laughs> the money is gone. So it's, it's about giving them the right training. After the training, that's where you identify that, okay, if I give money to this person, mm. this is what the person is going to do and, with it. And during the training, is there some form of mentorship, you know, yes. you know, provided to these folks? Yes. And what we do is that when we give you the funding, that's not all. Because these business incubation hubs are located in all the regions. They are with you all the time. When you have challenges, you come to them, they will tell you, oh, do it this way. Next time, do it this way. If you do it this way, you go this way. You see, we don't just give you the funding and just leave you for you to go and do whatever you want to do with it. We give you the funding and there are mentors around, uh, around anywhere you are who can, you can fall on. They can also visit you at any time, ask you the challenges you have and how they can help you. So it's a system that will take you from the beginning to the end with that support still with you because that's government's money we are giving to you. And when we give you the money, it comes with, uh, with a... Um, um, it's a loan. So with a loan of 10% interest, when you take the money, like if you take 10000 you have to pay 11000 in three years. So when we give you the money, we make sure that we don't just give you the money and you go. We'll give you training. We'll give you mentorship. We'll give you business advisory services anytime you need it. When we realize that maybe your challenge, you know, let me mention this. During our training, we had people who came for the training. They would, after the training, they would tell you, oh, I thought my problem was money. I don't need money. It's, it was about how I do my bookkeeping, how I manage these things, how I do accounting, how I do this thing. Then they realized that, okay, uh, I needed money, but my problem is not money. The little I have, if I'm able to do it this way, do it this way, I don't have to even take a loan from anywhere. Mm. And they come and confess to us and tell us, oh, we don't need the money. The training is okay. So is there, no matter who you are, whether it's you have the, the idea, mm. whether you, you are this, you mm. just need the training. You just need the understanding of how to uh, uh, run your own business. Because mm. if you don't have that, you can have all the money on, uh, in this world, you will fail. Mm. You can have all the idea, without the training, you will fail. Very well. Uh, let me come to you, Leslie. If you were in the shoes of someone, you know, who started a job out of necessity, uh, would you want to go through this long haul, you know, these long processes of finally establishing your business, Leslie and Co., Leslie and Farms, would you want to go through these processes? Would you have the patience to go through them? Um, the training, mm. it depends on how the training is structured because sometimes you realize that um, it's like maybe a two-week training program, um, regular nine to five. For instance, there are people who start jobs and are like they start businesses and are working alongside. So if you have these training opportunities available, and I have to go on leave for like two weeks before I'll be able to um, partake in the training. It's it's a challenge, okay? Mm. So he made mention of the fact that um, NEIP has a lot of programs available for entrepreneurs. But um, how do we get to know about it? I feel like, because you kept on mentioning... Sensitization. It's, it's, yeah, you kept mm. on mentioning it's a, it's a nice concept. It's a nice concept. But from his end, it's something that is practical that they're actually doing. But from our end, we don't even get to... Not materialized, exactly. Huh. So that's where I think they have to come in. 
Because he said it's an online application. I'm like, okay, if it's an online application, then it means you have to promote it online. Like all mm-hmm. these social media platforms, you yeah. have to be able to promote it online mm-hmm. so that people would get access to them. And when people get access to them, they would really, really want to consider mm-hmm. all these. Uh, so, so, so in summary, you're saying that if people knew about this, I mean, to a large extent, the menace we are tackling, we would see some uh, solution, you know, yes. some light at the end of the yes. tunnel. It's, it's, going to, it's going to help because, you know, um, I have this idea. I need training. Um, the way he mentioned it means it's not a complicated process. It's very yeah, easy very to easy. Uh, mm. register and then partake in it. Mm. So if it's not a complicated process, you know, okay, if I sacrifice two, like one month of my time, since I'm not doing anything, if I sacrifice one month, one, yeah. one month of my time, I go through the training and I'll be able to get funding, like if I'm dedicated to it, then you would want to consider. But if you don't hear about it, you don't know about it. So somebody who has the connect or as part of the organizers tells you, then... You didn't know about it. Yes. Well, if you're listening, the show is also live on Facebook at Asasi Radio 995. You can also send your comments via 20 995 And uh, you mentioned something inter- interesting, okay? And uh, now my, my next concern and question has to do with the Ghanaian setting. I feel, you know, a lot of businesses don't thrive because of the setting we find ourselves in. You talked about transport business. You know, that's, I don't know if it collapsed or it halted. It collapsed. <laughs> well, um, Leslie, on the other hand, is into um, agriculture, you know, entrepreneurship. What, can you be a bit specific? What exactly? Yeah, I'm into rabbits, rabbit mm. farming. Oh, rabbit okay. farming. Yeah, Great. Yeah. So he's a chartered accountant. And, you know, when I ask for his bio, he tells me he's a part-time farmer. And, um, you know, in Af- on the African continent, they will tell you that farming thrives so well. Now, can we by consensus agree that the national entrepreneurship environment in Ghana has its own features and must be systematically assessed from your end? You know, uh, previously, as I mentioned earlier, you wouldn't hear about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I think now that the conversation is being triggered, yeah. especially by the finance minister, what he said, um, I think this is the time uh, we have to make efforts to somehow, because previously, I think before 2017, let me put it that way, before 2017, we weren't hearing about entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. people have to go into entrepreneurship and other. So the government introduced the National Entrepreneurship and Innovations Program. So the uh, uh, programs that are you know designed, as I mentioned earlier, to help you. And when you come to NEIP, we, what we do is to promote businesses, businesses to grow. So regardless of ones, the business idea? Regardless, unless it's a, uh, drugs, any illegal business. <laughs> if it's anything legal, mm. that one we, we, we can support. By, unless it's, so, so are you saying that every idea these individuals have you know, brought before you, presented before you you, you, you can foresee that they'll thrive so well in the country and beyond? That is why we have the innovation path. Mm. Uh, you can't leave innovation out of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to be very, very innovative. And we don't deal with just only entrepreneurs. We deal with other businesses too. Uh, some who, who want to go into buying and selling. And, other, and all these people need their support. So we at NEIP, we have this funding. And the funding uh, was introduced by the president. I mean, in 2017, about um, 100 million Ghana cities. And this is a pool, and it's a revolving fund. So when you uh, apply for it, you pay back. Others will also get the money to also invest in their business. 
So there, there, there is a lot. There is a lot we are doing out there to make sure and to ensure that we promote entrepreneurs in this mm. country. Are there dialogues, you know, in place to generate more of these ideas, you know, from your end? What kind of engagement, stakeholder engagement goes on um, at the NEIP to ensure that these ideas are not limited in execution? Okay, what we do is that sometimes we, with the, as, as I mentioned, with the business incubation hubs, they have to somehow come in with business, there are people who don't even have the idea, who come in just for the training, they don't have any business idea. But when you come in, the business incubation hubs who are training you, you can bring any idea. They will tell you, okay, this one, it won't work in this setting. This one will work. We can guide you through for, for it to work. You have to drop your initial uh, idea and, and buy into it. Then we have a lot of them, a number of people who came with an idea. You look at it and you tell them that, okay, this will not work. We have uh, business advisory services where they can tell you, okay, this one you're saying, no, do it this way. You, you adopt this one. Okay, add this to it and it will work. So we have uh, like a pool of idea there that you can access mm. from these incubation apps and these our mentors that we work with. Right. Um, Leslie, why did you venture into Agric? Um, did you gauge the local scene or what was the motive behind uh, you venturing into, especially your, your background in accounting? I was expecting you to start a microfinance firm or something, <laughs> you know, but you decided to go into Agric. Yeah. Why did you decide to venture into okay, Agric? So um, I actually was into this rabbit farming business um, way back, like before SHS. So even before I started um, doing um, business in SHS, um, my like the support system around me were like, should I do agric or should I do business? But I felt like doing business was going to give me an opportunity to get a job where I could um, get money to run my agri business. So that was the plan, um, to do something else that would give an opportunity to get income or capital for the um, agri business. So later I executed the agri business. Um, also, it's quite easy to start um, an agribusiness as compared to starting a microfinance. We know the capital requirements and all those things that come with starting a mm. microfinance. So starting the agribusiness um, wasn't that much of um, um, a Little to no task. capital. Yeah, mm. You have with a little capital and then the know-how you could be able to start. So that's what I considered and then decided to enter into agri. Mm. And also I have passion for that agri side, especially with the animal Farming right. aspects. So, was a plan to ex to expand it. Yes, yes, to ex expand it to. And, and where's that knowledge yeah. coming from? Are you you know self studying or you are reaching out to experienced farmers to yes. pick from their knowledge too? So what I actually did um, when I began was um, I was learning from an agric textbook when I very I began at the very beginning. So there was this agric textbook I was for SHS, mm -hmm. but I was in GHS and then was learning a few things from it. And um, currently, I usually watch YouTube videos. Um, on what other farmers are doing in other countries. So you realize that there are countries like Kenya, Uganda, um, who are making money out of the same venture, like doing it on a global scale. And then based on research too, you realize that um, it's actually an avenue for exploitation that is being underutilized. So right. that's where we are trying to bridge that gap and then um, exploit. That, that brings me to my next you know, question, it has to do with education. You know, I intentionally asked if you were self-studying or you're reaching out to experienced individuals. Um, uh, critics and experts out there will tell you that our current education system, um, to a large extent, does not encourage self-employment. Do you agree, Leslie? Um, yes, I would say I agree. Because um, most of the courses are like the regular courses, mm -hmm. and then they don't give you the practical experience. If these courses were um, designed in such a way that Whilst you are studying, you have um, a company you are attached to, 
So you attach to a company, you are able to get practical experience. Um, let me bring it home a little. Um, I feel like apprenticeship is the best form of entrepreneurship for people to learn from. Um, if somebody is learning hairdressing or somebody is learning um, dressmaking, you realize that at the end of the studying period, the person is quite experienced and can be able to establish his business on his own. But when you come to the educational setting or our educational system, it's just about studying and then maybe once in a while you do um, an internship for one month or two months because you are being taxed to. But if it's made in such a way that once you are doing the course, you are having a practical experience, you are assigned to a company, you are able to get um, enough experience, like on-hand experience on the job, you'd be able to, maybe if it's just six months training on the job and like a practical aspect, for instance, I'm doing accounting, but um, I'm working with an accounting firm for the period of the duration of my course. Um, after my um, getting my degree, I know that I have like six months concrete accounting experience and with the little support, maybe I could be able to build some clientele base and then set up or do some bookkeeping. You look then... like you have this all well well planned and figured out. Um, but um, that was because you had, you know, the, the you were exposed to it at an earlier stage. Um, Joseph, at what level of education do we begin to stimulate the entrepreneurial spirit? Do we go to all the way to the primary basic school or we should wait on them till they they grow into, you know, university students? At what level do we do we promote it? I think uh, at a senior high level, that's where we have started mm. with the Students' Entrepreneurship Initiative. That's where we have started because from there, they get into the tertiary institutions. And uh, the courses in our schools is, is for you to write an exams, pass, and come and sit home. You know, the, the practical part of where uh, the things we do are not being taught in school. The definitions and other things, you finish, you come and sit in the house, and that's all. But when you start from the senior high level with the idea that this is how you can set your own business up, you have a pool of ideas where you can get an idea from, work on it before you finish tertiary institutions, it's perfect. So I think starting from the senior high school will be the best place because not all of them go into the tertiary institutions. After senior school, some drop out, some become uh, carpenters and other things, like the school areas. And uh, at senior high, uh, senior high level, too, they don't teach you some of these things. When you come out, you are left on your own. So maybe you are going to any te technical institutions or anything. So I think starting from the senior high school is the best way because a lot of people drop out from senior high school. They don't go to the tertiary institutions. And then when you also complete the uh, senior uh, tertiary institutions too, you need something to guide you out there, and we don't have it. Mm. They finish school and they are in the house. When <clears throat> when they finish school, they, they should be another program, just like I was talking about the uh, student entrepreneurship initiative, just to conscientize you. Okay, you are coming out. There's no job. Don't think about ideas. Set your own business up. And uh, we have one program, the skills job area, skills job uh, program. We do it with the uh, Minister of Finance where we want to encourage young girls, graduates, to go into the non-traditional school area, like a female being a carpenter, being a mechanic, an IT expert. So we set up our program in a way that when you finish school, you know what you want to do. You already have the idea. That's why we started from the senior high school to the tertiary, teaching you uh, school jobs, teaching you entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's not only just entrepreneurship that we do. As I mentioned, we do the school jobs too. We teach you how to become a carpenter if you want to become one. How become and we attach you to a mechanic shop or a carpentry shop. So by the time you finish school, 
whilst you're on holidays, you visit there, you learn something small, you finish school, and you know what. And for now, the school's area is becoming extinct mm. because of the introduction of fini- uh, senior high school. I mean, free, free senior, senior high, high school. school. And that area was left for people who couldn't continue their education. And now we have a lot of them going to tertiary institutions and because of free education. And when they come out, they also want to go and sit in the office. Mm. So you see, we must try to, you know, uh, uh, change the, the narrative that uh, is for people who couldn't, you know, continue the education, who go into mechanics, who go into carpentry, yeah. who go into yeah. uh, these areas. So it starts from the senior high school, then to the tertiary. When you finish your tertiary institutions, mm. you know what you want to do and you know how to do it. Mm. Well, the show is Candid Voice. Time checking studios is 53 minutes past 8 p.m. That time is running and uh, the, uh, there's a lot we need to explore. Um, uh, le- let me come to you, Leslie, all right? Uh, because we don't have so much time, I would like us to bring the conversation down to the myriad of, ch- myriad of challenges, you know, we experience in the entrepreneurial space. And you are one in such a space. Uh, what, what is the greatest pain you are facing, you know, in growing your business? So, um, usually, um, it's funding. Um, you you need the idea. Mm. I, I thought you earlier established that you you have you need little to no capital yes, in but, running. Um, mm. In order to be able to meet a particular um, level, like to go very commercial, you would need money too. So you can start small, but the business doesn't have to remain the same. You have to grow. Um, just as you were saying, entrepreneurs have to em- employ people. So if you are not able to grow or expand, there's no way you are going to employ even two mm. or three people. Uh, what happens to marketing? Aren't you marketing your, your staff enough? Yes. So you'll be marketing, but as you mentioned earlier that there are bills and then other things eat up whatever <laughs> money you make yeah. and then you you're not able to expand. So it's it's funding most of the time. Um because people as you work or as you work on a job, you get experience, you get new ideas, mm. you want to explore, you want to do more. Yeah. But if you don't have the funding to be able to expand, yeah. you wouldn't be able to do mm. more. Let, let me come to Joseph, all right? So I'll come back to you, okay? Mm-hmm. To someone like him who has um, an existing business running, um, he says, he's made it clear that it, it's unable to grow like he wants to because of lack of funds. You've also made it clear to us that um, uh, you can run a business with little to no funds. With his problem, What's where does the NEIP come in? Where do they come into the picture? Do you give him an advice? Do you give him, you know, ways to, you know, grow his business regardless of the, the little funds he has in his coffers? What, what do you do for such a person? Okay, such a person, what we do is to diagnose the problem first. Why is he not growing? Why the money maybe he started with maybe is reducing or it's not, uh, you know, increasing? We need to diagnose the problem such a person, you know, has before we come in either funding or business advisory services or training. And also one problem that the entrepreneurs don't mention is human capital. Mm. Sometimes the wrong person for the right job. Mm-hmm. Do you have people helping in running your business, um, Leslie? Uh, so um, with, the, with the farming, like animal farming, mm. most of the time one person or maybe two people is enough. So usually I do... Mm. Most of the right, like, okay. Back to you, Joseph. Yeah. So, you see, maybe let me talk about his farming. So you go and employ or you engage somebody who doesn't know much about rabbit farming, rearing. Then the person, by the time you realize you are in Accra, the next day they call you that one rabbit is dead. You see, your money is going down the drain. So, we first have to identify, look into your staff, look into your human capital to find out 
are you engaging the right people who can help you grow? Because if you give you 10 billion and you still have the wrong people you are working with, the money will go down the drain. Mm. So we come in, go through your books, go through your activities, identify the problem. We can, at the end of you know, this diagnosis, we can even find out that it's not even money that you need. Mm. Maybe you need the right material and the right people to work with. Right, so, so once you highlight these problems and you realize that it's actually money he needs, where, what happens? And what we do is, when we realize there's your, your challenges about money, that's where we come in with the, uh, the funding. Mm. And uh, with people like his, maybe 10,000 to 100,000 might not even be okay for him. And such a person will, will take you to NBSSI who are also doing something similar to support people who are doing their own business. If you are within our range where we can support you to, we come in and give you the money for you because we have, we've been meeting a lot of them. And one thing I must mention that a lot is going on, but it looks like people think, okay, me, when I go, they won't give me. Oh, that perception, that is politics, is who you know. That's not it. There are people who are benefiting. You know, we, we have a huge population. A lot of people are benefiting. You might not see the impact now, but in five years to come, the impact will be very, very huge. So when you come to our place, we diagnose the problems and understand how we can help. We don't just go in and give you money or give you something to go out and, you know, just we've had situations where we give money to people you go and <laughs> you understand. Yeah, I get you. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, some will go and marry second wife. Some will go and take <laughs> second girlfriend. Uh, uh, well, so, so still on funding, but uh, let's slightly move away from that and talk about the legal and regulatory framework when it comes to setting up your businesses. Have you registered your business, uh, Leslie? Yes, it's, um, it's been... Did you go through a header before registering? Um, you know, usually with the registrar, you know, sometimes it takes some hmm. time, but it depends on the kind of hmm. registration you're doing. If it's just a regular sole proprietorship, it's quite flexible as compared to doing... But you have friends who, something. you know, complain and express their concerns when it comes to registering their business? Um, yes. Yeah, sometimes you need, like, support, guidance, direction, because, for instance, if you're registering um, a company, like a limited liability company, you need an auditor to get you the auditor's letter. Like, it comes with some... Do you feel these so, complexities will push people off and make it difficult for them to fully explore uh, their entrepreneurship space? Yes. If you know, like, you are going to struggle before you'll be able to register, why why don't I just do it the way I'm doing? Because, for instance, if you don't register, you are, still getting your you, are get, you are still getting your market, you are still able to make your sales and you get your money, and the company's not registered, nobody's challenging you with that, then you are fine. But if it comes up that you need the registration documents to be able to apply for funding or get a contract so that you can supply to someone, then that's where, mm. okay, let me rush and go and register so that I'll be able to mm. and do this supply deals and all. Mm. So right. Uh, th there's that challenge as well. Time is fast spent. So um, we would like to draw the curtains on your thoughts on the uh, legal and regulatory framework when it comes to the complexities. What is the best way for entrepreneurs to, you know, ensure that they don't, they are not stopped in their tracks, you know, when it comes to these regulatory schemes? Sometimes you enter, you go to some of these offices for, you know, the regulatory documents and other things. And it's like somebody has been said there to, to, to frustrate you. Yeah, you feel like they just want to frustrate you. And that's why NEIP is there. It's part of what we do. When you, maybe you, you, you go to FDA, Ghana Standard Authority, and other time, you have problems. You come to us. Even, you don't even have to go there yourself. Come to us. We will lead you. We will make sure that you have everything before we go there. And because you are with us, you get everything in time. So, oh, 
as I mentioned, there's a lot being done, mm. but it looks like people actually don't want to come forward. I want to say there's a lot to to right. help. There's a lot of help, but people don't come forward. Because I I know people who have been complaining. They go to FD, they go here, they go here, and uh, the challenges are... When you come through it, mm. we will take you there. I mean, before we take you there, we know that everything is correct. Right. Then we'll get there. You so get in reaching out to you, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter... Um, can you please uh, quickly let us know how individuals listening can reach out to you? Okay, on Facebook, I mean on social media, it's at NEIP Ghana. And our website is www.neip.gov.gh. Mm. Our office is located just uh, behind your office here, Cantonment, around the uh, Ghana International School, just the behind to, the, the Togo Ghana Embassy, too. The Togo Embassy, yeah. run about yeah, there. Yeah. So our office is there. You can walk in at any time, even if you are operating your business, you have any challenge, just walk in at any time. We'll assign a mentor to you. We'll assign somebody to give you that business advisory right. services and training. Mm. Uh, grateful for your time, gentlemen. Uh, it's, it's funny how time just ran quickly. Uh, myself, I've enjoyed this conversation and uh, well, I'll have to discuss with my uh, colleague as well as to whether we need a second part of this conversation. Uh, certainly we do. And this is just a sign to tell us that the conversation on youth employment entrepreneurship you know, requires a lot of deliberate efforts when it comes to dialogue and stakeholder engagement. And um, I will end by uh, quoting Pierre-Franc Laporte. He is a World Bank country director for Ghana, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. And uh, he, in launching the World Bank report on youth unemployment some time ago, he says that Ghana's youth employment challenge is vast and requires an all-round deliberate and consistent response. Emphasis on consistent once we begin, we need to keep doing what the, that, that which brings us result. And on that note, uh, we end the show. My name is Caleb Ahinakwa, and I've been sitting in for Benjamin Ofe Ado. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, join us same time next week, same time. Uh, again, we'll, we'll have to come to a consensus as to whether we are having the part two. Do enjoy the rest of our programs. Uh, it's a good night for now.